by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We're in our series, No More Stinking Thinking. We got that going for us. It's time for the Pawpaw Story of the Week. What, has it been three or four weeks in a row I've told stories of my papa? Uh, this week's story begins with him buying a, a brand new fiberglass bass boat. One of those, now back in the 70s or whenever this was, long time ago, this was really nice. Had like a 35 horse, you know, that was big in the day. But it had a steering wheel and the foot control trolling motor. In fact, it was so fancy, he was used to his old John boat. First time he took it out, he didn't know how to get around it. He couldn't work that foot control trolling motor. He parked it in the barn, and he had only used it that one time when me and my little brother Heath showed up, come down there for the summer, and we started trying to talk him into letting us take it to the lake. Well, he, oh, no, no, you, you don't know, you don't know, like, just take the old John boat. You don't, you don't want to mess with this other boat there, boy. You can't understand that thing. I said, no, we want to take the new one, you know. And we begged and we begged, and, and we could be quite persuasive back in the old days, you know. And so we finally got him to agree. And so he walked around the front of the house to see what I was driving. And back then, it was my first car. I had a, a putrid green Datsun B210, a 77 model. And he just went around the back of that thing, and he looked. He said, you ain't got no trailer hitch there, boy. And he just looked at me like I, I was stupid for not having a trailer hitch on my four-cylinder. And I could see his big bushy eyebrows looking at me funny. And I said, I don't know, Papa, I don't, I don't think it'll pull, but like 600 pounds. You could tell he was angry, but he couldn't take no more of our begging, so he threw his truck keys at me. So we hooked up his brand-new bass boat and headed off to the lake. <laughs> Well, I ain't got time to go into all the story about how we scratched up his new bass boat, almost sunk it, and almost went down and died in the Mississippi River that day when we were supposed to be in the river. But a lot of things happened between then and the time we finally got it back on the trailer, and I let Heath drive back. Now, he wasn't but about 14 at the time. He didn't have his license, but I figured he needed some training driving, so I figured driving a big truck with a boat on the back would be a good start. So I was letting him drive. I didn't know the knucklehead didn't know to take the emergency brake off, so I guess that's why it was overheating the whole way back. But anyway, that's all. None of that really matters. We were just trying to hurry up and get his boat back in the barn and hope he didn't see how bad we scratched it up. But when we were going down this last stretch of the gravel road before we got to his house, I saw somebody driving coming this way, and it was just throwing up dust everywhere. And I thought, that's a good lesson to teach Heath. I said, Heath, you see that person coming there? Don't never do that. That is dangerous. On one of these gravel roads driving that fast. And as the person got closer and closer, he said, Hey, isn't that a green Datsun B210? <laughs> and I said, Yeah, and it's pulling a John boat. My papa couldn't stand it. I didn't have a, 
a hitch on the back of my Datsun B210, so while I was gone, he welded one on there for me. <laughs> Papa. Psalms 139, 13. If I was to say, now why did I tell you that story? Who You would say, I don't know. <laughs> Psalms 139, 13. In the NIV version it says, For you created me, or you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Where does life begin? Life begins when it's at conception. He's knitting you together in your mother's womb. He's in there. He's involved in that process. And the, the psalmist here says he recognizes how fearfully and wonderfully made we are. You think about this. If you were to try to create a human and stretch some skin over, you'd have some, some seam marks somewhere, you know? How you, you had to sew it up someplace, you know? If, we are woven seamlessly. Think about that. And all the, I, the marvels of the human body, how we last 70, 80 years in this environment, it's just a, it's a miracle. How, what keeps your heart beating this long? We're not going to get into all that, but it's pretty, pretty wonderful. Especially all the different sizes and colors and heights that we are. And I wanted to say, if God made you a little putrid green four-cylinder, well, concentrate on... Concentrate on saving people gas because that's what you do well. And don't let anybody weld a trailer hitch on your life because that is not what you are here to do. And what we're going to talk about tonight is people are created for God's purposes. Some of us are created to tug a big load and some of us are not. Don't accept People's labels don't accept people's expectations of you if they're not of God. Who determines who you are? It's God that gives us gifts and callings according to what he has put on the inside of us when he knit us together in our mother's wombs. But inevitably, living in this sin-filled world, sometimes even our own parents who don't know better, Especially the kids, the knuckleheads that we go to school with. They're going to hound you and ride you about something, talk about you. And, and it's like they're welding something onto your life. And you're taking all this baggage with you when you go and you're stinking thinking. And what does it say? In, in what I wrote it down. Proverbs 23, 7. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are a result of the things that you've thought about yourself in the past. And what you think about yourself limits you to, to that. It's so important. We're in this series called Eliminating Stinking Thinking. And there's a lot of funny things to it, but there's a lot of things that's not funny about this at all. Because stinking thinking limits you. 
You never reach your potential. When you can't see it, you can't see it, you can't be it. Abraham, God told Abraham, as far as you can see, you can have it. I will give it to you. If Abraham would have been able to see farther than what we know now as little Israel, he might have had the whole Asia. He might have had all of Europe. And so don't limit yourself. Don't let anybody make you carry a load that you weren't made to carry. Somebody's got to say no more. I want to be free. I want to think the thoughts that God thinks about me. Like that song we just said. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. See, you got to decide to lay them down. Somebody has labeled you this or that and told you you'd never amount to this, but you would probably end up doing that. And you begin to believe it. Or they just harped on your weaknesses, which everybody has weaknesses. And you begin to identify with things that, okay, I'm just a four-cylinder, he's an eight-cylinder. Yeah, but he drinks a lot more gas than I do. Okay, so he can pull more, but what were you called to be? And we begin to compare and we do all these things that's crazy. But if we'll lay it down for the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah 8.10, as I prayed, Nehemiah was building, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. After they had been destroyed, knocked down, and God's temple ransacked and burned to the ground, all the stuff taken out of it. And, and he says in Nehemiah 8.10, don't be dejected and sad. Well, he's telling this to the people who came back. He's telling this to the ones who said, let's go fix those walls. Let's go rebuild Jerusalem. He's telling it to people like you who whose walls have been broken down in your life. Your temple has been ransacked. You have allowed your body to, to go through all this ransacking because of sin. Most of us don't grow up in the church. Most of us, walls are broken down and we are exposed. And we, It's when we have nothing that we finally come to a realization that we need Christ. And so we come to Christ and then it's time to rebuild the walls. And God sent a man called Nehemiah. You can read it. It's a chapter, whole book in the Bible. How he began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it's a type shadow also of how we rebuild the house of God, the kingdom of God, how we rebuild our own personal lives. And they came, and, they, and some of them that were there before, and they remembered, man, I used to be strong, and then, you know, the crack got me, or the this drinking made me so that, I, you know, my hair's gray now and all these things that, that the world put us through. And we don't feel like, I, and they were saying, we saw the temple before. And now this little old thing, now we're just trying to build a little old wall. They'll be able, a, a donkey will be able to jump over this wall. You know, we're building, all these rocks are burnt. And they're discouraged. And they hear the word of God preached from the, the prophet Ezra. And then their hearts are pricked. Oh my, my goodness, I could have had all this if, I'd have, if we'd have just followed the Lord, if we'd have just obeyed the Lord, it wouldn't have been like this. King Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't have been able to come in. God would have protected us. And they're thinking about what could have been. 
But Nehemiah says, don't be dejected and sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. We're going to rebuild these walls. It's going to be like the $6 million man. We're going to make him faster and stronger. We can rebuild him. <laughs> Tonight's message is part five of this series. And I'm entitling it, Hitch Up to God's View of You. Hitch up to God's view of you. Now, last week, uh, we talked about not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Now, that was a good message for me because I, you know, a lot of us have a lot of pride growing up. You know, we're, we're taught pride growing up. We're, we're told it's a good thing to have pride in who you are and all these things. Well, tonight we're going to be talking more along the lines of those people who have low self-worth on the other side of that spectrum. It also said in that scripture about not thinking more highly of yourself, it says to think soberly about yourself, to, to be able to view where you are, if you are an 18-wheeler or if you're a Datsun B210. Understand what your capabilities are. Understand what your limitations are. Understand what your gifts are. Think soberly as God tells you who you are. But a lot of people confuse low self-worth with humility, and it's two different things. Humility, like I said last week, is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. It's a big difference. Let's turn to Mark chapter 5. You know, you can have great gifts and abilities and understand, and you could be walking, and you could be the Michael Jordan in your field. You could be the best of the best, and you could know and have confidence that you are the best of the best. But you could still be a superhuman, uh, a super, not a superhuman, but a super humble person. Walking in the thing that you were made to do and doing it well and still have a sense of humility. And not saying, well, I ain't really that good. No, 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 not, no, you, yeah, tell me more. <laughs> you know how we do, no, no, no. <laughs> we all want to hear somebody say something good about saying, yeah, you know, no. And then we're going to sit there and say, no, no, not really. You know, I, what? <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> I didn't hear you. <laughs> right? You can, you can be honest and say, a humble person would say, yes, I am blessed in this area. You know, God gifted me, and give the glory to God. That's what a humble person would do. You know, if somebody comes up and tells you, you did a fine job, say, thank you. God be the glory. And not in a sense of, you know, I'm just going to show them how humble I am. <laughs> when, you're, when you're pretending to be humble, you're not, okay? <clears throat> All right, Mark 5, 1. This is Jesus and his disciples. They're in the boat. In verse 1 it says, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. You've heard this story. This man lived in the burial caves 
and he could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whatever he was put in chains and shackles, as he was often, he snapped those chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling, and cutting himself with sharp stones. How did this man get to be this way? Wasn't he a little boy one time too? Didn't he have hopes and dreams like all the other little boys in the region of the Gerasenes? Didn't he play hide and go seek? You know, nobody wants to end up howling at the moon. Nobody thinks I'm going to grow up and stay in the cemetery, run around naked and getting in trouble all the time, so they're trying to chain me down. It happens a little bit at a time. Believe in this lie. Believe in the next lie. Beginning to see yourself at a... At a, at a, the way the devil wants you to see yourself. Beginning to agree with the enemy to the point where you start saying, yeah, devil, you're right. Come on in and live with me. People, they get to a place where they are so fed up with their self and they, they begin to be magnets for demonic spirits. And it's really a sad, sad thing to end up howling and cutting yourself with stones. But you know what? Now, I'm in no way saying, uh, equating what's going on in this man's life with some, what I'm about to say. But it's estimated that over 2 million reports this year about people cutting themselves in the United States alone. And that's just the ones that's been reported. So you can estimate it's probably three to four times that of the ones that are not reported, especially young people, cutting themselves. Now, I'm not saying they're demonic or, or whatever, but I'm saying toxic thinking leads you down a path. And I don't understand... I can't understand... I want to understand what would lead somebody to feel like they need to punish themselves. It's really, really sad. And it should never, you should, but it happens to Christians too. And I would like to remind you, if anybody in here feels like they want to punish themselves sometimes, that is not a godly thought. That is, that is coming from the enemy. If you're feeling like you need to hurt yourself and punish yourself for some reason, that's low self-worth, and that is not what God wants for you. That is not humility, and that's not the way out. Each year it says one in five females and one in seven males engage in some type of self-injury. That would tell me somebody in here is probably doing it. If the averages were true, of course we know that <clears throat> we're not average. These are people who come to church on Wednesday night, so it automatically takes you out of a lot of categories. But it is possible that some of you are dealing with thoughts like these that, that are plaguing you. And I want you to know, don't do that. Why would you punish yourself? The punishment has already been paid on Calvary. All the punishment that needs to go on was already paid for you. 412teens.org says, cutting 
very often stems from a very low view of self. Seeing yourself as worthless or invisible. Thinking nobody sees me. It's often because of sexual abuse. Some kind of abuse has happened to a person. And, and that has caused them to feel worthless or invisible. Maybe they blame themselves. And that's very, very sad. And that's the kind of thing, that's the devil that we're fighting against. And if you ever begin to think that he's just some funny guy with a pitchfork and a red tail, that's what he wants you to think. He's a destroyer of lives. He's a real enemy. And the, the, if he could kill you, he would. But the only thing he can do is try to control you by the way you think. And that is why we're teaching this series. So that we can, we can open our eyes that every thought that we think might not be from the Lord. There are vo different voices speaking. There are fiery darts coming from the enemy. And we have to have up our shield of faith to block those out. Our faith in the Lord and what he did on the cross and who he says we are makes us reject those, those har harmful and hurtful thoughts. And so if you know somebody or whatever, be sympathetic. They, they don't mean to be, I mean, they're hurting. And they need the love of Jesus. They need the love of Jesus. And don't we all? My goodness. Anyway, in verse 6, when Jesus was some, still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed down low before him. Now, I don't know how this demon-possessed man, as, as you'll see later, he's got a lot of demons in him. I don't know if it says the man ran towards Jesus. Maybe the man was looking for Jesus. Maybe the demons weren't. But if you have a low view of yourself, this is exactly what you need to do. Let me read it again. When Jesus was still some distance away, if there was separation between you and Jesus, it says the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. That's what we needed. This is where this needs to be solved at the feet of Jesus. This low thinking of yourself that would cause you to want to punish or, or cut yourself or, or have these harmful thoughts. You need to run to Jesus. But in verse 7 it says, with a shriek he screamed. Now I guess this is the demons are controlling the man's voice. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. That's my, my best demon voice. It's not really my best, but I didn't want to overdo it. Verse 8 says, For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, he replied My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. See, this man was full of demons. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send him into some distant place. And there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us in those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of pigs, about 2,000, plunged down the steep hillside 
into the lake and drowned in the water. Exactly what needs to happen to stinking thinking. It needs to be cast out. If you got a demon, that needs to be cast out for sure. But if we're just still just talking on the level of stinking thinking, those thoughts need to be cast down. They need to be cast out. They're not even worthy of the pigs. The pigs said, let me out of this. They need to be drowned. Those thoughts need to be drowned in the washing of the water of the Word of God. They need to be cast out. If you have thoughts that plague you along these lines that make you want to harm yourself, if you have thoughts that cause you to to constantly criticize yourself, if you have thoughts that are bringing condemnation in your life so that you can barely move and you have this oppression and depression and all this on your shoulder and anxiety and all these things, it needs to be cast out, cast down. Cast down every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God because the knowledge of God says, no, no. You're free. You're free. You have peace. My peace I'll give to you. Not as the world gives, give I. You can have that joy. You can have joy. You can replace, you can cast them down, and you can replace it with the joy of the Lord, and it'll be your strength, and you can rebuild your life. God is about redemption. He is about rebuilding lives. How can we love our neighbor if we don't love ourselves? And that's the great commandment, to love the Lord our God and love our neighbors ourselves. And when somebody might say, well, I thought that, that sounded a little prideful, loving yourself. No. You're supposed to love yourself. You're supposed to love your wife like you love yourself. It is a priority for you to begin to love who God has made you. Not love you so much, but love Christ in you. What is something worth? It's worth exactly what somebody is willing to pay for it. I can tell somebody I'll sell them this Bible for $4,000. They say, dude, I'll go down there and get me one for $19.95 at the store. But if somebody says, I'll give you $4,000, well, this Bible right now is worth $4,000. And what was Jesus willing to pay for you? What was God willing to send for you? Everything that he, his best. And that makes you, my friend, worth everything. How is beauty determined? Well, we hear it's in the eye of the beholder. I'm glad you said that because Psalms 33, 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. He's watching you. He's keeping his eye on you because you are the apple of his eye. You are beautiful to him. You are his masterpiece. And God will deal with anybody who tries to throw you in the dust. Like they brought that woman caught in the act of adultery and they threw, him in the, threw her in the dust right at Jesus' feet. And thought they were going to sit over there and gloat and say, uh-huh, 
We called her. Now what you going to do? They were trying to trap Jesus. You know, if he didn't say that she was supposed to be stoned, he's breaking the law, you know. What about the law? Jesus says, what about mercy? So he went on and told him, look, we're all in the same boat here. Let, let one of you without sin be the one to cast the first stone. He made sure they all understood that we all need the same mercy and the grace. You got to give it to them Pharisees. They got that one right. They dropped them stones and they, they went on out of there. <clears throat> I'd like to see the first one cast the stone. I wonder what would have happened. That would have been interesting. But anyway, they all left. And Jesus said to the woman, he says, where are your accusers? See, that's what the devil is. He's an accuser of the brethren. That's what he lives to do, to make accusations against folk. He said, there ain't, none of them, there ain't none of them left. He said, yeah, they all went to mind their own business like they should. They need to be over there praying for you. <laughs> Jesus basically told her, you, you are my business. You're my business. Now go and sin no more. Now go on. Don't sin no more. Don't see yourself as a sinner the way you used to see to be. Follow me. Don't sin no more. I know everything you've been through. Like that woman at the well, I know how many husbands she's been through. I know how, how women grow up and are used and abused. And I know they begin to think that they ain't the little princes that they thought they were and all this. And they begin to give themselves away like we talked about last week. Jesus like, don't, don't see yourself like that anymore. Because it's causing you to live so far below. It's causing you to fall into sin. What do you, why, why don't you think that you're, not, that you're not worthy to get married? Why don't you think you're not worthy to do things to be blessed in this life? Forget who I am. Now, I'm not saying we don't listen to counsel and consider criticism, whether it's good or bad criticism. You know, when somebody criticizes me, boy, my flesh wants to jump up, you know, just like yours. But it's like those, those comment cards. I ask for it. You know what? Some, some criticism you got to dismiss because they're just going to, there's some people to just complain and have bad attitudes about everything and they're going to see the negative and everything. And some, but even that, you can learn from it. You can see if there's any truth in it. See, a person is teachable. Well, listen to criticism and grow from it. And so we all have to grow. I'm not saying we don't grow. You always be willing to change. What I'm saying is, don't let anybody but Jesus define you. 
wherever you're at on your stage of growth, wherever you're at in your understanding of God's will and everything, know that you're just as loved as anybody else. We're all at some place. We all got here somehow. Some of us are older. Some of us are younger. Different areas of our walk, been Christians longer. Some of us have been through different life situations. But let Jesus define you. And you'll get there a lot quicker. He sees what you're destined to be. And because of him, you have this inherent worth. You're important because he created you. You're important because he breathed the life into humanity. And God so loved the world. You're important because of who he is. You're more important than any old sparrows. You're more important than any beast of the field. You have inherent worth as a human being made in the likeness and the image of God. Let God remove the veil so that you can see it. And so that you can be it. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. See, that's the process that we're all in. Because the process of sanctification. We need to take that veil off. The veil covered the eyes so that you couldn't see the glory of God. But that was in the Old Testament. Now we have eyes that can see, spiritual eyes that can, can grasp the light and the heart and the mind of God. And so take the veil off. Stop hiding in the darkness and come out into the light and be changed from glory to glory and reflect His glory. That veil, that mask of who you used to be and who everybody said you was and all these tangles and weaves, weaves and webs and, and everything that's going on in your mind all these years, this ungodly thinking, this thinking, thinking is like a veil covering you so you can't reflect God's glory the way you ought to. It's like a mirror. It's got mud all over it, and the sun's hitting it, but it's not, it's not causing a reflection. Clean that mirror so that the glory can shine for the world to see. What do we do? How do we begin to do this? Well, we don't look to ourselves. Someone said, well, I'm going to try harder. Every message, I'm going to try harder. God never intended for us to look to ourselves for confidence. In fact, we're while we don't have confidence, don't focus on self, but focus on Christ in you. And comparing to others, we've said for three weeks in a row now, it's foolish. Ecclesiastes 4.4, wise Solomon said, I saw all the toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. The reason why everybody's doing everything is to keep up with the Joneses. I don't know who these Joneses are. But you ain't supposed to keep up with them. You got your own race to run. 
I saw all that toil and all that achievement spring from one person's envy of another. He said, this too is meaningless. It's chasing after the wind. Don't look to yourself and don't look to compare yourself to others. Find yourself in the love of the Lord. You find yourself in Christ. You find who you are in his word. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. And the word was with God. In verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1. Find yourself in the Lord. Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, and I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You belong to the Lord. You've been bought with a price. A guy named Fritz Cherie says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Quoting that scripture. It's amazing that we get to be image bearers of a glorious God. How did we get here? God's using me. How, what, you remember when you first got saved and God used you to tell somebody or something or you did something? I'm an image bearer of a glorious God. The world teaches that we need to work on ourselves and that's the problem. How can the problem be the solution? Self is the problem. It's not the solution too. We don't have all the answers and all these man-made solutions are temporary. Get you a self-help book. It'll help you for a season till your willpower gives out. But the Lord is eternal, he says. It's either you create a temporary identity for yourself or you can choose the everlasting identity for yourself that is found and secure in Christ. You can find out who you are in Christ, or you can make up, you can play act and be a hypocrite the rest of your life. That's what a hypocrite is, a play actor, trying to be somebody they're not. And until you find yourself in Christ, you don't know who you're supposed to be, you play acting. And that's where many of us are. We're kind of starting to learn. Well, keep learning. Keep learning. Because we're starting to like the new you. <laughs> See what the Word says about you. Remember our, our life confessions when uh, we showed a Craig Groeschel uh, teaching one Wednesday night about a year and a half ago or a year ago? And he was, I can't go into all of that, but talking about the value of making personal confessions every day and speaking over your life, saying, finding what the Word says about you and, and beginning to change your mind that after a certain amount of days you say it, your brain starts to get, it becomes a habit and you begin to see yourself. You remember if you can see it, you can be it. And all those things, I got mine written down. Now I can't say I say it every day, but when I come up here four or five days a week, you know, work from up here, this is what I say, Jesus, you are first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify you. I am disciplined. Now you wrote your own, I remember. If you were here, if you, if you forgot about it, get them back out and start again. If you don't have a confession to, to say over yourself every day, then start thinking about who you want to be and what the, the Lord says that you should be. 
I am disciplined, growing closer to you every day. Because of you, my family's closer, my body's stronger, my faith is deeper, and my leadership is sharper. This is mine now. I love my wife and will lay down my life to serve her. I'll do whatever I can to make sure my children love God and serve Him. I am anointed, empowered, and called to reach people for God. I love people, and I believe the best about others. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I develop leaders. It's not something I do. It's who I am. I wake with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. I take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and this world will be better today because I serve Jesus. You say that every day for, for a year and a half and see if you don't start to see yourself in a brand new way. I see it. I see th these things going on. My family's closer. My body's stronger. My faith is deeper. My leadership is sharper. I see these things. God is bringing it to pass. Remember, you shall have whatsoever you say. Scripture. <laughs> Well, it's time to close down. <laughs> Mary Magdalene had seven demons in her. I don't know how she got to where she got to. Same way we all get there. Jesus cast them out. You know what she did? She clung to Jesus. From then on, you know, your husband or your wife is not your God. They can't fulfill you. They can't make you complete. Oh, they complete me. No, they don't. If you're looking for them to complete you, you're going to be incomplete. And you're going to be headed for divorce court after you suck the life out of them. No, God has to be in the center of a marriage. He has to be the one that completes both of you. So to make you two whole people that can come together as one. But anyway, I don't know why I got off on that. <clears throat> But she found her worth in Christ, and she clung to him. And I mean, even after Jesus was resurrected, he's, he's like, Mary, I got to go. God's called. I got to ascend to heaven now. She's clinging to him. He's, she's like, not, he's not, not, not now, Mary. Mary, hold on. He's like, I'll still love you from heaven, but we got this thing we got to do right now. But she was holding on. And that's the way we are to be. Jesus ought to have to say, just trust me. Just trust me. I, I love you from a distance sometimes. Psalms 139.7 says, I can never escape your spirit. I never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, there you are. If I go down to the grave or to hell, it says in the King James, there you are. You know, we ought to be getting our, our word from the Lord. We ought to be getting our, we ought to be listening to heaven. We shouldn't be listening to the voices of hell. But even if we are in hell, guess what? There he is. He's right there if you'll just cry out to him. A Christian should be able to say, I'm your child. I'm forgiven, cleansed, washed. I've been made in your image. I'm your masterpiece. I'm chosen. I'm a king, royal priesthood. I'm a temple of the living God. I'm called into the light so that I can be the light. I am what the great I am says I am. Nobody's going to weld an ugly trailer hitch to the rear end. And no one can make me feel inferior without my consent. 
take charge of your thought life. Don't allow those thoughts. Don't allow, I don't care who's being, if somebody is just speaking negative into your life, you need to pray for them and you need to look for an escape route. Unless they're your husband or something, or your wife. In that case, good luck. No. Should have thought of that before you got married. No. The cross makes us all important. Do you realize that? That might be the, the smartest thing I've said all night. The cross makes us all important. The playing field was leveled at the cross. Maybe God's love is here tonight to change your stinking thinking. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.